Welcome to Intrepid Media, the show for the business professional. Here, we're going to talk about business topics such as leadership, sales, marketing, HR, innovation, strategy, and technology. But we're also going to riff about lifestyle too and help you look better, feel better, and live better. This show is everything the modern business professional needs, from the C-level executive to the millennial. So let's get on with the show. Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Radio. I am your host, Todd Schnick. Going to be an interesting conversation today. We're going to talk about digital disruption. And it's happening right before your eyes. And hopefully, if you're listening to this uh, and you're working for an organization that that is poised to be disrupted or working in an industry that's about to be disrupted, this will arm you with a lot of information and knowledge that will help you kind of surf those those tides very nimbly, very agilely, which is uh, which is very very important in in, in uh, modern business today. So, going to be a great conversation. I'm joined this morning by Dr. Jeff Laux. He is the author of a new book called Digital Vortex, How Today's Market Leaders Can Beat Disruptive Competitors at Their Own Game. He is also a director with Cisco's digitization office. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me, Todd. Now, the pleasure is mine. I appreciate you carving out some time to join us. I know you're awfully busy right now, so appreciate you stopping by. Jeff, before we get into uh, a wide conversation about this important book, Digital Vortex, Take a few quick seconds. Tell us a bit about you, your background, and the work that you're doing with Cisco. Thanks very much. I'm a researcher, author, and speaker, and I've studied the intersection of technology and business for over 15 years. Uh, You mentioned my current role. I'm director in Cisco's digitization office, and we are helping Cisco to transform how we do business, how we operate. And I'm also a senior research fellow at the Global Center for Digital Business Transformation, which we call the DBT Center. This is a very unique research institute that Cisco has created with IMD, which is a Swiss business school. And our book, Digital Vortex, which we're talking about today, is the product of the DBT Center's first year of research. In terms of my academic background, you uh, mentioned I'm a doctor, not a medical doctor, but I have a PhD in political theory from the University of Toronto. And I wrote my thesis about Machiavelli, and as a result, I've always had a fondness for strategy. And certainly the book has got lots of strategic elements to it in terms of how companies can manage digital disruption. Outstanding. Well, we may have to have you back on the show and we'll talk about the prints and debate a bit. Uh, some, that could yield some pretty interesting conversation. So uh, that's a, that would have been a fun thesis to write, I, I suspect. So good stuff. All right. So Jeff, the new book, Digital Vortex, How Today's Market Leaders Can Beat Disruptive Competitors at Their Own Game. So before we get into the book, this is a co-authored. So you have a couple of, uh, of other collaborators there. Talk about them real quick. I do. Three co-authors, in fact. James McCauley and Andy Narona are both uh, colleagues at Cisco and uh, longtime business partners and friends. So we've known each other for a long time. And then Mike Wade, he's the director of the DPT Center and a professor at IMD. And he has been an outstanding partner. So this was really a collaborative enterprise. Outstanding. All right. So let's get to the book now, the meat of our conversation, uh, Jeff. So, all right. So again, the book is called Digital Vortex, How Today's Market Leaders Can Beat Disruptive Competitors at Their Own Game. Before we get into the book itself, I, I, 
a question for you. I, I, we're going to talk. This is a result of a research project. And we're going to talk about your research process in a minute, which is obviously critical to to the outcome of the book. But gosh, if you go to Amazon and you type in disruption or disruptors or disruptive technology, whatever the case is, it's it's a very common word. I mean, it's a lot of people talking about being a market disruptor or how to be a market disruptor. Why did the world need yet another book on this, another text that talks about this whole idea of market disruption? Well, that's a great question and a fair one. I think even though digital disruption and digital transformation are so common that they become cliches, they're actually very poorly defined and understood in the market. And so when you take a look at these books or read articles in you know, Forbes or the Wall Street Journal, people talk about disruption. They often use the same examples over and over again or say that, you know, the Uber of your industry is coming for you. And this gets people alarmed, but it doesn't really get them enlightened. And so we wanted to do research on disruption that helped to understand what it was, whether it was real. And if it was real, what are the steps that companies need to take to avoid it? And what are the capabilities that they need to be able to compete more effectively? So even though the phrase is overused, we thought it was really under-researched and under poorly understood. Yeah, well, and I think part of the problem might be how people define disruption, right? I mean, if you were to line up 10 people and say, all right, give me a definition of what a market disruption is, I think you're going to get a lot of different answers. And that therein lies part of the problem here. I mean, so how do you guys define a disruptor or disruption in, in, in the context of this book? Well, we, we have some definitions up front that kind of help set the stage for our entire discussion, and it really helps level set people. So first, we discuss digital. And sometimes when you take a look at digital, people can't even define that. They view it as a movement or something like that. Right. But we really view it as something specific. Uh, it's the convergence of multiple technology trends, and these include uh, mobility, cloud computing, the Internet of Things, data analytics, machine learning, and so forth, all of which are enabled by high-speed connectivity. So the connectivity really brought all these things to life and made them potent technologies that could be used to change business. So digital really is technology in this case. Got and it. digital disruption is the use of digital technologies to create new business models. And those new business models deliver better value than current market leaders can provide. Okay. So does that help at all? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's important to have that framework as, as people listen to the balance of our conversation. Because like I said, I think there's just a lot of different nuances to, to quote, disruption. And I think people think it's different things. And, and therein lies part of the reason that they're not prepared for for what's what's coming and it's and yeah you <laughs> i try to make it a rule not to ever mention uber in my show because too many people <laughs> talk about that well i i want to be the uber in my industry well and they think well then that because that means i'm a disruptor well not necessarily i think that i think that's part of the problem and probably why this book is going to be so profound to so many people what, what i also want to emphasize jeff is that this isn't a result of you and james and andy and mike sitting around a table and whiteboarding some here's a here's our theory of what's going to happen i mean this is a result of some very serious very extensive research and so i think that's important to to reiterate walk us through your your extensive research process for putting this book together thanks todd the, the research was vital to being able to come up with conclusions that we really felt strongly about 
And we're all professional researchers, all four of us. And so we put together a very strong program to get insights and data from multiple sources. So first, we surveyed 1,000 senior executives from around the world in 12 different industries. And then we interviewed founders and leaders of dozens of startups to get their understanding of, you know, why are you attacking markets the way you do? What sorts of business models are you using? And then we conducted an analysis of, biz- of those business models across about 100 different startups and disruptors. And then the last piece of it was to be able to work with the Global Center for Digital Transformation. We started off writing this book by writing a series of white papers that we would end up sharing in sessions with senior executives from anywhere from 80 to 100 companies. And we'd present, then we'd have roundtable sessions to discuss it. And so this helped us to sharpen our conclusions and really vet them. So by the time we wrote the book, we felt like we had a really great handle on what was going on in the marketplace. Interesting. So a few quick questions on the research. Uh, did anything really surprise you from the research? And, and the second part of the question is, what, was, what idea going into the research was verified and, and proved to be very, very true? Those are great questions. I think the thing that was surprising to me was that so many people in their markets believe that disruption is coming and coming fast. So uh, across 12 industries, the senior executives that we surveyed believe that 40% of market leaders are going to be displaced by digital disruption. And many think that that disruption is going to happen in as little as three years. Hmm. So huge upheaval among the market leaders. And then about 40% said that they believe that digital disruption could actually put their company out of business. So it's not just jockeying at the top. It's almost, you know, to get philosophical here, it's, a, it's an existential crisis for companies where they don't really know how they're going to compete. But the surprising thing about it is that despite the fact that there's so much upheaval coming that they see, only one in four companies is acting proactively right now. And when we press them on why that is, First of all, they didn't really understand the nature of disruption. They knew it was happening, but they didn't know how it worked. And then they also did not know the steps they should take to improve their competitive position. And that's really why we wrote the book. Got it. This, it's unfathomable to me. If I, and I want to repeat what I think I heard, I heard you say, and correct me if I get it wrong, but one in four companies are prepared or are not prepared for what's coming. Only one in four are taking proactive measures to protect themselves from disruption. Why does so that, that mean? Seventy-five percent aren't. Why, why is that happening? I mean, there is so much thought leadership out there. I mean, and, and hopefully your book's gonna is gonna is is going to be a product that's gonna finally help people and and work with those seventy-five percent of the companies that are not ready. But how have we gotten there? I mean, why this? I just, I'm thinking about the business models that you studied, and and I I think people are 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 they're, they're so. Those that are focusing on it, do you have to create a new model to be disruptive or can you, is it, is it a matter of finding the right one that fits your market? I mean, I, I just struggle to understand why so many organizations aren't prepared or they don't have a strong business model. I'm, I'm, I struggle to understand that. Well, I think there are a couple of things at play. One of them is that today's senior executive is so focused on running the business and on making the quarterly numbers. And we've heard this over and over, but it does not allow them time to kind of look over their shoulder or see around corners to understand what type of disruption is coming next. And 
we use an analogy of a vortex to kind of explain disruption. We can go, go into that in a little bit. But one of the things that's happening is that technology is blurring the lines between industries. Uh, it's bringing competitors from places that you don't expect. And so if your mindset is one of just running the business, you're not going to be able to see these. And you're, you might just be focusing on the wrong thing. And then the other aspect of it is that they just, so, so many of them think that they're going to be able to catch it late and be a fast follower. And that's really a losing strategy because what we're finding in digital disruption is that it's often winner take all, or like one winner and one fast follower are going to take over a market essentially. And there's not room on the podium for 30% of companies to do that, right? right. And if you lose, you're going to lose big. Hmm. All right. Gosh, I have a thousand questions from where we started so far. So we'll come back to some of those after the break. So Jeff Laux and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. Think Next, Act Now is an entrepreneurial movement. It is a teaching platform, a coaching forum that emphasizes action. And the link between thought and action makes a difference in the outcome you determine or the result that's determined for you. When you see and create opportunity for yourself. You take a big step toward becoming recession-proof and changing your life. If you are determined to make a change in your life, Think Next, Act Now will provide the essential toolkit to move your life forward. Only realized potential cashes the check of reality. Now is the time to realize your potential. Think Next, Act Now, and go always forward. To learn more, Go to BillWoodich.com. That's BillWoodich.com. All right, I'm back with Dr. Jeff Laux, the co-author of a new book called Digital Vortex, How Today's Market Leaders Can Beat Disruptive Competitors at Their Own Game. All right, so Jeff, right before the break, you mentioned that you're compared digital disruption to a vortex. Now, what exactly does that mean? Is that a cool word for marketing promotional purposes or, what, or is there real meaning behind what that, what that means? There's real meaning behind it. And I've been doing thought leadership for a very long time. And one of the things that I understand is that when you're trying to describe complex phenomenon, sometimes you need an analogy to help people to get it. And we, the more we thought about it, the more we realized that a vortex, such as a whirlpool or a tornado, is a great way for people to understand what's happening to them in digital disruption. And so the analogy works like this. In a vortex, there's a force that's pulling everything toward the, the center, whether they want to get there or not. And at the center of the digital vortex, all value that can be digitized is digitized. Now, what this doesn't mean is that every single physical product is going to become ones and zeros. You're not going to see uh, you know, a digital or uh, jet engine, let's say. But increasingly, the value that the customers get from a jet engine and the value they're going to want to pay for is going to be based on digital business models and services. And so, for example, Rolls-Royce, they sell a, a package called Total Care to their customers. And Total Care is not selling the engine and then hoping that the, the airline uses it. It's selling engine uptime. So they monitor the engine. They use sensors and analytics to make sure that they use predictive maintenance. So what the customer is getting is engine uptime or engine availability. And so instead of buying a piece of capital equipment, they actually buy a service or a business outcome. And we're seeing that happen over and over in industries. So 
the the jet engine is physical the value is is digital if that makes sense mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well we're going to talk about value in a minute as well so share with us an example or two of of digital disruption so in case you listen to what you just said about the vortex and that analogy and still don't really understand share with us an example a real world example that someone can say okay now i get it here's a perfect example that everyone will probably be familiar with because lots of people use WhatsApp, which mm-hmm. is a mes- messaging application. Well, WhatsApp actually destroyed a very profitable business by global service providers. SMS messaging was climbing and the revenue was climbing right up until WhatsApp with about 50 people in their company started launching and then suddenly everybody was using WhatsApp. They've now got a billion customers. And global text messaging revenue between 2013 and 2018 is going to decline by at least $27 billion as a result. So one disruptor comes in, makes the value proposition of paying for text messaging completely untenable. Everyone wants something else, and they lose money. Should an organization in in whatever industry it is, and I want to get into the, you studied in your research a lot of different industries, uh, but I mean, there's the classic example of how Apple destroyed the iPod by inventing and, and manufacturing the iPhone. Is is that something that all organizations should be seeking to do? I mean, or is it, or is it just a matter of refining the business model, or should you always be looking to be a disruptor? Maybe it's not something as dramatic as like WhatsApp or you know to use our our overused example Uber, but I mean you can you can disrupt something even internally, can't you? In terms of your internal processes, I mean, should should I guess the simple way to ask this question: Should every company listening to this be thinking, how can I disrupt things? They should. But I think you don't just disrupt things to do it. But what we found that was very interesting about disruptors is that they focus on delivering three different types of value and actually combining those sources of value in unique ways that make the overall value proposition to the customer, whether that is a consumer or a business, something that simply can't be beaten. And so we break it down into cost value producing things for free or an ultra-low cost, with the, the jet engine example, paying for consumption rather than the good itself. Then there's experience value, customizing, reducing friction when you buy it or automating things. And then a new one, I think, with digital disruption, we call platform value. And that is the ability to use communities of buyers and sellers, digital marketplaces, ecosystems, to be able to deliver value quickly and something that scales very rapidly so that a lot of disruptors, when they use platform value as part of their value proposition, they can go from very low numbers of customers to sometimes billions like WhatsApp. But mm. what, what the best disruptors do is they combine cost value, experience value, and platform value in something we call combinatorial disruption. And it's when one of these competitors comes after your market that you're really in trouble if you have not thought about how you're going to deliver superior value yourself. What do you do if, you're, if your market has been disrupted by a, a major new organization? I mean, is it too late? I mean, should you just say, you know what, I'm done and move on and do something else? Or, or can you, in fact, salvage things and remain competitive? Well, we have an entire strategy playbook based upon disruption in a, the middle of the book. And what we do is we say, you have to assess the degree to which you have been disrupted, and whether you can gain the ground back. And what we like to say is that the initial disruption 
does not mean that the, the disruptor is going to win the market or occupy the market. And so if you think that you can disrupt yourself, change your business model, make your own business model better, then you should go after that market and compete. If you don't feel like you can do that, then you can go into what we call retreat mode, where you make your, competitive, your, your offering as competitive as you can, and you kind of milk the business until it's not profitable. Uh, but then that way you've at least made your money out of it, made as much as you can. But then in the meantime, while that business is in decline, you need to keep finding new markets to, to attack. And this is what companies that um, I've heard them on your podcast, people mention Apple and Amazon and Google over and over again. And one of the reasons they do is because these companies are very good at attacking opportunities that other people don't see so that when their own businesses are attacked, they've got revenue coming in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, how would you... I'm violating my policy here by talking about Uber, but let's just say <laughs> some taxi company or the taxi industry sat down with you and said, all right, Uber kicked our fanny here. Uh, now we need to do something. So what were the lessons from your book? How would they be applied to like the taxi industry so that they could either just fold it in or come back and figure out how to, how to engage in that marketplace? Well, what we would do first is to say, you know, what, what is – how, how do you deliver value right now? What is your cost value currently? What's your experience value and your platform value? And when we sit down with executives about their companies, sometimes they have to admit that they don't score very well in these areas. And then it's a matter of, okay, what do you think you can do to improve this? Soon, we end up getting into a conversation about whether the company is agile enough to do it. And what we focus on in the whole second half of the book is a capability that we call digital business agility. And this is really the path that a lot of companies need to take to gain the advantages that startups and agile firms have. We just mentioned that they're able to move into new markets quickly. Our research showed that when compared to incumbents, big companies, startups are much better at innovating, they move more quickly and decisively, and they have a culture of experimentation and risk. And Digital business agility is a way of getting those capabilities stronger in the incumbent itself. And I can talk a little bit about what digital business agility is all about. Yeah, I'd love you to go there. And I think agility uh, or this idea of being agile in, in your market uh, is another one of those things that, that sounds good. People think, ooh, well, I'm an agile organization or I want to be more agile. And it's another one of those things I think a lot of people don't really understand and, and or have different definitions of. So so set the table on what you actually mean by, you know, I mean, because you say your companies must be agile to respond to disruption. And and so and then, and then go deeper on digital business agility. Well, I'm glad that you, you mentioned this because like digital disruption itself, agility is an overused word and yep. an overused prescription. And when you ask people what it means, they don't have very much to say. Right. Again, this was very highly researched and we broke agility down into three areas. The first one is called hyper-awareness. And that's a company's ability to detect and monitor changes in its business environment and also among its customers, its competitors, and its employees. And so this often means collecting data and bringing data into your company about the things that matter. But then once you have that, that data, you need to make a great decision about it. 
So the second step is called informed decision-making. And that is the ability to take that data, analyze it, get it in the hands of the people who need to make the decision. And this can be anywhere from the C-suite to people on the plant floor. So we believe that data should really be democratized. And also expertise should be democratized within an organization because you might have expertise scattered or, you know, they may not all be C-level people, right, that you need to bring in to make a great decision. And so that's the next step you've got to take. Then finally, when you've made the right decision, you need to execute quickly. So the last step is called fast execution. And you may find that your organization doesn't have the, the people or the technology or some other capability that you need to, to bring that decision to life. And so you need to be able to move quickly to put those pieces into place. So once you have all three, hyper-awareness, informed decision-making, and fast execution, that allows you to move into creating faster business models, more digital business models. One of the common themes on this show to talk about with a lot of guests on it is this idea of being proactive versus being reactive. And in the general perspective, being reactive in business is is generally seen as a negative. And and if you're reacting, oh, then you're already behind. You've already lost probably. And, And there's all this idea of how you have to be proactive and you have to be thinking about how can my market potentially be disruptor or how could I be the disruptor? So I'd love for you to comment on that. But but let's be honest. In business, there are going to be plenty of scenarios where you have to be reactive. And, and are there lessons learned from your research and the book to, to, to become a better reactor, if you will? I don't know if that question makes sense. Definitely. So this whole idea of digital business agility is one where I, I use the comparison of a decathlete versus specialist athletes. So a typical company, and we just had the Olympics, Mm. a typical company specializes in a vertical or a sub-vertical, and when the event changes, they're in real trouble. It's kind of like a a 1,500-meter runner who's long and lean who suddenly needs to learn how to do shot put. That's not going to turn out very well. (laughs) But if you have digital business agility and you're already listening to the market, you've got a good way of making decisions and bringing the right people into your decision making, and then you're used to executing quickly, then you can react and you can react well. Because when the event changes from the 1500 to the shot put, you're already trained for it. And so that really is the key to being able to survive in the digital vortex, where you don't know where your next competitor is coming from. You also don't know where your next opportunity is. And this process never ends, right? I mean, this is something that you have to be continually mindful of, right? I mean, you just can't make, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out, I, I might have to do the shot put someday, and so I'm going to train for that. And then you do all the work and preparation for that, and, and it might not come, and all of a sudden you got to do the javelin, and you haven't even thought about that. I mean, so this, this process is, is ever ongoing, yes? Absolutely. And it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, you, you can't just go running for a week and be in shape. You know, digital business agility is one where you're always improving your hyper-awareness capability, so you're less likely to be caught off guard. You're always improving your informed decision-making capabilities so that your hit rate on good decisions is higher. You get used to moving faster. And one interesting thing that we mention in the book is that sometimes a disruptor can be your enemy because they're going after your market. But sometimes a disruptor can be a great friend to you And one of the wonderful things about digital business agility is that there are all these startups who can help make you more hyper-aware, help improve your decision-making, or help you execute more quickly. 
because they're using the, the same three forms of value themselves. So they can help give you a forklift upgrade in your ability to use sensors to understand your business environment or you know, a fantastic analytics system to make better sense of your data. Or you can, you know, let's say, use a next generation HR service to get the right people on the right teams. So you've actually got a lot of allies in this disruptive environment as well. Well, that is, uh, that's a, a very, very important point because I think a lot of us want to look at, I mean, this is, for purposes of this conversation, let's say, <laughs> here I go mentioning Uber again, but the taxi industry, they look at Uber as an as a enemy and a threat. When in fact, using that mindset you just shared, how different that whole perspective could be and how that, could, that, that rising tide could lift, lift all in that industry. I mean, so that's an, interesting, uh, that's an interesting point. I want to go back to, we're running out of time, but I want to go back to this digital business agility. Because I think that's really, really critical here. And I know that a lot of people listening to this show could really benefit from becoming more agile in that context. Can you share, I don't know, two or three key steps that an organization can do now to begin to position themselves to be more, uh, more agile? I can. And what I might do is just give a couple of examples that we were impressed by as we were doing our research, if that, if that sounds like a good way to go. Perfect. So we study a lot of companies about how they're making the switch, how they're becoming more hyper-aware, making better decisions, and so forth. And I'll share a couple examples. One of them is Under Armour, a very innovative company. And they have moved from providing clothing, you know, very highly commoditized industry where you're basically selling people nylon shirts and shorts. And because they've become hyper aware of what their customers want to achieve, they've moved from clothing to providing coaching, personalized coaching, which is very rare and what people really want to help them achieve their goals. So they invested about $710 million in mobile fitness applications. So it gave them lots of information, lots of data on their customers. And they found that what their customers really wanted was, you know, some of them wanted to run a faster 5K. Some of them wanted to lose weight. Some of them wanted better nutrition advice. But they had all this data. And then they started embedding sensors in their apparel and their shoes. And they helped the, their customers to get some of this data themselves to track their own progress. And then they finally came up with some of their own applications, such as uh, UA Record, which kind of captures all their health and activity data in one place. And they brought analytics to bear on it. And so now they can act as a personal fitness coach to millions and millions of customers. And that is a great way to move from being a commodity player to someone who's really got a sticky concept. Boy, I haven't thought much about Under Armour in that context, and that's that, that actually is brilliant. I mean, who would have thought just a few years ago that there would be anyone but Nike, right? Or And all of a sudden, I, I think Under Armour is one of the cool hip sportswear and, and, and sports technology companies. I mean, and that's a great example, so uh, thank you for sharing that. Jeff, I only have about 7,000 more questions I want to ask. We have so many different directions we could go with this conversation. We might have to have you back on the show because I think that a whole conversation around those four types of value would be <laughs> there's so much more to go there and and you know most organizations aren't aren't thinking of the value they deliver in in, in that context so so much so much good stuff here i wish we had more time but for today we're we're running low on time before i let you go how can people contact you should they have a question where can they learn more about the work you're doing at cisco and most importantly where can they get their hands on a copy of digital vortex the the best way to get a copy of digital vortex 
is through Amazon. And you can also go to digitalvortex.com if you want to find out more about the book. Uh, you can also purchase it from there. And then the best way to find out about what we're doing at the Global Center for Digital Business Transformation is to look us up on the internet, Global Center for Digital Business Transformation, DBT Center. And we've got a lot about our, our projects, uh, what we're doing next. And we've got a lot of exciting things coming in addition to this book. Awesome. Well, I look forward to hearing about, about what is coming next. So good stuff. Dr. Jeff Laux, a director with Cisco's Digitization Office and the co-author of a new book called Digital Vortex, How Today's Market Leaders Can Beat Disruptive Competitors at Their Own Game. Jeff, great to have you. Thanks so much for stopping by. Todd, thanks for the chance to be here. Uh, the pleasure was mine. All right, all the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Dr. Jeff Laux, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Radio. Thank you for listening to Intrepid Media. We appreciate your attention. To receive everything we do, simply go to intrepidmailinglist.com. That's intrepidmailinglist.com and sign up. You can also find us at intrepid.media and on iTunes. And to support the important work we do on your behalf, a rating and review on iTunes will help spread our work far and wide. Again, we certainly appreciate your support. Now get out there, be intrepid, and we'll see you next time.